We're in Mark chapter 12. And a lot of people will turn and listen to the uh, podcast from Thursday, published Thursday morning, entitled A Satisfying Experience. We're still in the series, Side Notes, Thoughts from a Pastor's Study. And tomorrow morning, uh, I have pre-recorded, I did them Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, um, of... Uh, Recording the different uh, different ones, and uh, tomorrow morning publishes out at 7 a.m. And so uh, you'll want to want to look at that one. Also, uh, tomorrow morning's is the uh, the dangers of hardness. The dangers of hardness. It deals with hardness of the heart and the dangers with that. And it'll be interesting. Uh, Jesus interacting with some people, and you'll learn some things from that. I think it's seven minutes and 34 seconds of your time that that podcast will take, and definitely worth your while. This morning, I want you to look in Mark chapter 12, and uh, we're continuing a series that started last Sunday, and we continued through Wednesday, and now this morning also, entitled Jesus' Temple Teachings. And uh, the first one we dealt with uh, dealt with the authority and ownership. And uh, they came, the uh, scribes and Pharisees and leaders of the Jews, they came and questioned Jesus, by what authority did He do the things that He did? By what authority does these things? And of course, He asked them one question. He said, uh, you tell me John's baptism, was it from man or from heaven? He said, you answer me that and I'll tell you. And of course, they wouldn't answer. For political reasons, they wouldn't answer. So He didn't answer them on that. And then after that, he gave that parable about a man who let out his vineyard to some husbandmen. And then when he came and sent his servants to get what was rightfully his, how they reacted to him, and he did that. And then dealt with the uh, the second one dealt with with the questions and what they reveal. You remember the Pharisees and Herodians? That was a strange mix. They came to Jesus, tempting him, and then he spoke to them in a certain way and dealt with them. And then after that, the Sadducees came and they did what liberals did then. And they were true liberals, what, what we would now call liberals. They were, uh, by definition, they are what we define as liberals now. And that term has meant something different down through history in different places. By what we define as liberals now, they are true liberals. And what they did was what liberals always do. They came up with the wildest, most far-fetched, weird concocted scenario you can imagine and tried to prove something with it. And uh, that's ever the way they do things instead of dealing with facts. And uh, you say, why don't they deal with facts? Because facts will undermine liberalism every time. And, uh, and so what happened was he answered them a certain way. And then, uh, and then the scribe came. And uh, he was different. He wasn't tempting Jesus. And uh, so Jesus dealt with him different. And so that was the last one. And then this morning, I'm bringing to you this, these three words for this morning. Deity, devouring, devotion. And this is, take those as three separate words, not a strange sentence. Um, deity, devouring, devotion. Deity is a term, while it's not a Bible term, it's, it is a good term, and it deals with God or that which is God. In the case we're dealing with, we're dealing with God, the real God. It can, that word can be dealing with gods, false gods as well, but in the context this morning, we're dealing with the real God. So we're dealing with the three words. What are those three words? First one is deity, then devouring, and then what? Devotion, all right. And uh, so I want to deal with those. Mark chapter 12. Would you pray along with me as we seek to know the Lord through His Word this morning? Father, help me to help Your people. Thank You for that good song we just sang. Thank You for the victory of knowing You. And Lord, may we always help others to realize how good You are and also, Lord, to realize that uh, You are our God. And uh, we, we love You. We want to love You better as such. Amen. 
Mark chapter 12, and uh, look at uh, verse 35. In the first part, we're dealing with his deity here. Look in verse 35. And Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple. So he's there in the temple, Herod's temple. I taught you about that um, when I preached uh, last week on where God lives. This was Herod's temple. While he taught in the temple, how say the scribes? that Christ is the son of David. He said, now here's the thing. The scribes, in other words, those who write and copy the Bible, not author it, but copy it. And uh, how, how do they say that he's his son? How do say he's the son of David? For David himself saith by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore himself calleth him Lord. And whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly, which they've always done. Um, but he asked a question. The Lord says, how? David says he's his Lord, and yet the Scripture calls him his son. He says, how does he do that? One of the, uh, one of the things that uh, the human mind has to really understand what the Scripture's teaching about is the, the nature of God and how He's revealed Himself. Sometimes people confuse themselves because they limit things just to a human perspective. They confuse themselves when Jesus is praying to the Father and they're thinking of it as two different entities. But that same person who's confused about that will talk to themselves to figure out a problem. Who really will. And I, in that, and I don't mind the chuckles at all because I, I knew it elicits that. But it, uh, not saying it's a joke. Part of that, uh, I myself, in certain situations, I talk myself through, and I do bear with it. How many of you have certain situations like that? Okay, hopefully it's not just eating breakfast or something. Okay, <laughs> but but there are certain things that my I find that is not as much at the center of my acumen level. It's not that which my mind most easily focuses on, and so I will talk myself through it. And I'll say, okay, do this. Now, this step, and you'll go through that. Have, do any of you do as I do? Sometimes when you're really focused on that, um, you really don't want somebody talking to you, disturbing you, it messes you up. I mean, you're like, yeah, too. Okay. All right. And, and so you understand that, don't you? Well, why do we do that? What are we doing? Are we talking to somebody different? No. What we're doing, we are evidencing our Creator. We're made in His image as a threefold being. Not three beings. Threefold. And God had manifested and showed Himself forth to mankind in a manner. Real love seeks to communicate in, in, in the way in which the object loved understands. And God chose to communicate Himself to the creation of mankind that He made in a way that man could understand. That's why the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, a lot, a lot of good stuff in there. And I'll start down that trail. I won't come back from it. And, uh, and you'll be wait, ready to devour, but you'll be ready for lunch. Amen? Not the next, next point. So, why the question was asked, how, Jesus says, how does He call Him Lord when He is also His Son? Well, why is that? That's because you're dealing with Christ who is before the foundation of the world, who's the Creator of all things, and yet He Himself came as a servant. He was before David or Abraham or any of them. Jesus Himself said that. In fact, when He said it, the Jews were going to stone Him to death for saying it. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And man, they knew that He had used the name for deity that was revealed in the burning bush, I am. 
And then he also, by making that statement, uh, they picked up stones. They were going to kill him for that because they said he's making himself God by this. Well, no, he was God. He was revealing that thing. And, uh, you know, it was like Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. He said, have I been so long time with you, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he's trying, he's trying to explain this. And, and, and you know, we, we were kind of slow catching up with this thing. And so I want you to understand when Jesus is teaching them, as he's in the temple, everything in that temple points to him. Everything about that grand place, everything about the furnishings, everything about the, uh, uh, the religious uh, exercise that goes on in there, and everything about the steps that the priests take, everything about the sacrifice, about the labor, about the altar, uh, about the showbread, about the candlesticks, about the most holy place, about the Ark of the Covenant, about the, uh, uh, the Day of Atonement. Everything about that place points to Jesus Christ. He's deity, He's God, and He's there. And he asked him a question. He says, how did the scribe say this? Well, what he's referring to is Psalm 110. Keep something there in Mark, but look back with me, if you will, please, in Psalm 110. As you're turning there, be mindful what our first word is. It's deity. Jesus is teaching. He teaches about deity, which is his Godhood. Psalm 110. And it's so interesting because Psalm 110 also deals with the issue of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which I won't get into right now, but I love the study of that. And you'll be introduced to some of that in the book of Hebrews. You'll find it through there. It's really strong in chapter 7, chapter 9. A lot of good stuff waiting for you in that reading. Psalm 110, look at verse 1. Here's what the, the Lord was quoting here when He made this statement in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 13, verse 36. He said, David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now we turn back a few pages to Psalm 110, but we're turning back about 1,200 years. <laughs> and, and the psalmist makes a statement here. Verse 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And then he talks about Christ being sent, the deliverer being sent. And then he talks about the priesthood of Melchizedek. And if you understand some of that, how that all ties in is pretty remarkable. But you say, well, how did, how did uh, David say that? Well, I'll show you how he said that. Hopefully you're still Mark. Go past it over to Second Peter. Head towards, head towards Revelation and stop off Brother Peter there. Second Peter chap, chapter, where do I want you in that? Second Peter chapter 1. Jesus' question to them was, how did David say this? Well, let me show you how he said it, since that's what the question was, and the Bible reveals it. 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, look in. Whoops, that stopped. One short, one short of the goal there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture which is what Psalm 110 is. That's called a messianic psalm. It's something dealing with the Messiah. It's a prophetic psalm. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, that prophecy didn't come to that person from that person's own thinking. That's the main meaning of that private interpretation. Then look at verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, now, Jesus' question, how did David say this? He said, how did David say this? So I was trying to get him to get here. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake 
as they were moved by whom? The Holy Ghost. And while He did not indwell the body as a temple like He does now, He would come upon them. And by the Holy Ghost, David was saying this. The Holy Ghost is the author of Scripture. And He used as the instruments to put the Scripture down, He used people. And so it did not originate with David. It originated with the Holy Ghost. Now let me show you something that's even uh, more uh, interesting with that. So we see Jesus' question, how did He say this? What's He talking about? How did He say this? Then He says, here's where it came from back in the Psalms. The Scripture teaches us that's revealed by the Holy Ghost to David. Now look in the book of John. John chapter 15. So apparently when David was giving that, he was giving it by the Holy Ghost, wasn't he? That's where the prophecy came from. And that's where he was speaking that out. Now look in John chapter 15 and look at a particular verse here. Jesus teaching here in verse 26. You're going to encounter the Comforter is one word here. The Spirit of Truth being identified as the same one. And He's also called within the chapters 14, 15, 16. He's, he's, he's called the Holy Ghost. So we, have, we know who He is, alright? So let's look here in verse 26. Jesus says, But when the Comforter is come, and He's talking about when He comes to dwell inside of them, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of what? So Jesus said that the Holy Ghost testifies of Jesus, right? And Jesus asked the question, how did David say that he was his Lord if he's his son? We found out how he said it because the holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost, even when coming upon these Old Testament prophets, was pointing towards Christ. That's why Christ could declare, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Now think how important that was to the crowd he was speaking to, to the Pharisees. Because they thought just in the mechanical keeping of the commandments they had eternal life. In other words, they would do the actions of those commandments. But he said that's not where life is. Life's not in the letter of the law. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. In other words, a proper interpretation of the Scripture will always take you to Jesus Christ. And so there's a lot in in that first part, isn't it? And so we have the deity. So he said we had three words. The first one is what? Deity. The second one is what? Devouring. And the third one is devotion. I had to cheat and look at my notes all of a sudden. That was funny. Uh, so there we go. Uh, so in devouring, then let's look back here in Mark chapter 13. Let's look in verse 38. So it's kind of the, the teaching here breaks itself down naturally into these segments. Verse 38, And He said unto them in His doctrine, Jesus speaking to them, Beware of the scribes, I've told you who those people are, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces. That long clothing was associated with authority, power, wealth, Pretty interesting. I was just recently, um, I purchased a book uh, dealing with manners and customs of the Bible. There's a good older book with that, and this is kind of, it's a lot of that same book and then some other things added into it. And it's pretty interesting looking at some of the different type of clothing they could do. 
We had a thing that was um, educational to me. Uh, it brought my attention to something I had heard before but hadn't paid enough attention to to say that I really knew it. And that was um, a few weeks ago, a friend that I grew up with, Mike Thompson, he came over here. Uh, I picked him up over in Bellbrook over by Dayton, and he came over here and uh, actually took our chapel time in our school and then the hour after chapel time. And uh, he, was in, uh, he was in 18th century clothing. You know, I mean, it wasn't actually from back then, but it was the same type of clothing. And uh, from 18th century and 1700s. And he was teaching the young people different things to do. He brought a shaving horse, which was a little uh, thing you sit on and, and you would make uh, like uh, legs for tables and pegs for putting stuff together and handles for your axe or whatever. And you had this type of knife you would draw it under and it has a way of clamping that and all that. You set on it's a rough hewn log and anyway, pretty interesting thing. And there were a lot of good questions from the students. We took up the next hour also, not just chapel time, because there was so much interest and the students were asking actually very good questions with it. And one of them asked something about clothing and he went in detail of what the process was to actually get the fabric and make it. In other words, he took it with some of the flax type stuff they would use and, and then the different things that you were used to make linen and how laborious of a process it was. And in the economy of that day, good clothing would be equivalent to you buying a new car. It's of that much value. We read very flippantly because clothing's, you know, you know, you go, you can get it on sale, you can get it cheap or whatever. I have a brand new belt on today, and uh, it, it, I've been waiting, you know, to get one because I wanted a good dress belt. I hate these cheap things that come apart on you. It, you have been, and I've had one for years, but I know it's at some point someone needs to help it carry the load, you know. And uh, I was looking, and I was over in the Dayton area, uh, over to see my brother when he's in the hospital. By the way, thank you for praying. He's home. Uh, all the pathologies back, no cancer and any other cells, no cancer within the lymphatic system. And so he starts Friday on therapy for learning to speak and he passed the swallow test. So it looks like he'll be able to eat through his mouth again at some point. So thank you for those who've been praying for John. He, he does appreciate it much and I've kept him in touch about that. But anyway, as, as I went over there, I went through a place and uh, I, I went in uh, to a, uh, a Goodwill store. They had this big, huge Goodwill store. And I went in and they had leather belts. You know, these things were five bucks a piece. I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a good leather dress belt, not the, not the bonded leather that comes apart, but real one. They, they don't go for $5. Or twenty dollars or twenty-five dollars, usually, and, and and so they're they're usually thirty something upward, and and so and I guess if you were real big, they might be real expensive. I don't know, but anyway, it's a uh, <laughs> skinny. You get away with less. You get dog collar, but um, but you get that in clothing, something like that. You know, you can pick up clothing and that sort of thing. Joseph's coat of many colors. What it would take to make an article of clothing like that with the different dyes and such was tremendous. That's what royalty would wear. So we see the significance here, okay? They, they love this long clothing. What's that at all? It's not just a style they like. They like the, they like the, uh, uh, how grandiose it was. And, you know, this is, this is, this is their thing here and what they do with it. So let's go on down, keep reading with that. All right? And they love salutations. I'm in verse 38 again. They love salutations in the marketplace and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feast. Say, so why is that? Because you get fed first and fed best. Which devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, in other words, for a show, make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. 
Well, just the idea of receiving damnation is bad enough. I don't like that adjective greater being attached. I wouldn't want to be on the end of that. The issue here with them, with the devouring, is an issue of love. They love the benefit, the prestige, and the recognition of religion. They did not love the God they professed to serve. They were not driven and motivated by the love of God and the very God that they said they served. So what's your evidence for that, preacher? Well, the fact they did not love those who God highly esteemed, which were widows. God has a high esteem for widows because their head, their provider, their protector is gone. And the world becomes a very lonely, cold place. God, the heart of God is much moved by that. But these people it wasn't. They didn't care about that at all. In fact, they went so far as to participate in the destruction of the widows. The Bible term is they devoured them. They're like their father in that. These scribes were. You see what you mean? We're going to visit Brother Peter again. Look over First Peter 5. The words in your King James Bible are not accidental. Don't change them. Mess them around. You miss the context and how things attach to each other. <laughs> I remember two fellows walking down the sidewalk here many years ago and they didn't know I was behind them and they were talking a little freely after church about some of my short, shortcomings in my preaching and, and things. And I could have added to their list a little if they'd turn around and ask me. Uh, but we were walking along and one of them said, he just makes too much of an issue of the King James Bible. He's just too much of an issue about the Bible actually being the Word of God. Isn't that a strange thing to say? I don't know. How can you, how can you uh, make too much of an issue of something that God exalts about, above all His name? Mm. I think I'll stay on the side of that I'm on. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about Seeking whom he may, what's the word? Same word that's used there to describe what these scribes were doing with these widows. Verse 40 of Mark, where uh, 13, where, or 12 rather, where it says, which devour widows' houses. Their very dwelling place, what they have. Which devour widows' houses. And for a pretense to cover it, make it okay. Long prayers. Wow. God doesn't like that at all, does He? I put down as a note in the bottom of my Bible, I put the things they loved. They loved public recognition. They loved prominence in religion. They loved preferential treatment. But they were pretentious and they were predatory. That's the devouring. That came from within religious circles. May God help us never to be that, that type of a people. And those were people like you and I are people, made of flesh like you and I are made of flesh. So let's be careful not to go down the path of that in our thinking or our actions. And so we had our first word is what? Deity. Are you with me? Right. Deity. Right. It's good, isn't it? We learned something about the Lord there, didn't we? And then the second word is what? Dowering. All right. Now, the last one is devotion. I like this. Now let's see what happens. Jesus teaches these things, and then you have 
Jesus setting over against the treasury, which is the area where the offerings were brought into the temple. Look in verse 41. Jesus set over against the treasury and beheld. So he's sitting back and looking, watching, observing. Now the next word I have circled in my Bible. If you're in the habit of marking, you might want to mark that. And Jesus set over against the treasury and beheld how? In what manner? What was, what was the spirit and, and, and circumstance of doing this? And beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in what? Much. And there came a certain poor widow. Now, you think about that adjective put onto her description. She's a widow and she's a poor widow. And there were widows that were not poor, but she was a poor widow. And so she didn't have much and, uh, and didn't have any kind of a safety net for her and the, the way things were there if, if she didn't have family to care for and such. And so she was a poor widow. But look what she does. Jesus is watching this. And it says, The poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. Without going into details of the, of the finances and stuff, suffice it to say it's a, it was what for a, a working person, and especially if somebody if they had any means to it at all, would not have been considered a great sum of money by anybody's imagination. And just an average working person, this would not have been a huge amount of money at all. And, but yet, here it is, and she cast it in. Jesus is watching. That's interesting, isn't it? Here's a thought that just came to me. I was, I was just saying that, and I thought of this. You know, he's watching every time we give, isn't he? But you know, he watches more than what goes to the plate. He watches what's coming from the heart, too. And there's a lot of evidence in that in the Bible. It's a thought. I'm going to have to let that thought affect me later when I have time to stop and think about it a little deeper. And Jesus said over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. And he didn't call his disciples over when the rich people were putting in substantial gifts and such. But once she does that, he calls them over. And saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, he said, in other words, this is the truth I'm giving you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. It's interesting. There's two ways that sentence can read and both of them have an accuracy to them than all they. In other words, there's nobody else has given more than she has in the way that Christ is going to measure that. But also, cumulatively, if you were to empty it out, uh, all the, the, the collection of all the rest does not measure to Christ the same as what that one gift did. He said, she hath, This poor woman hath cast in more than all they which have cast in the treasury. For all they, he said, the other ones, did cast in of their abundance. Now, was it all right they gave something from their abundance? Yes. But I'm talking about devotion. Devotion is a heart love towards something. We've heard about somebody being devoted. We've said to one person or another, they're very devoted. I saw, I saw um, three things in a row the other day in town that really gripped my attention and, and it had a lingering effect on me. And the three things I saw were three couples up in years and in neat situations. I think it was a two-to-one ratio that the women were the ones affected and then one man was. 
They were, they were people who had, had decided to get something to eat, apparently, and had finished the meal. And I watched. One was actually in the process of eating. And you could tell that one of the two, and like I said, the two were women, I believe, and one was men, if I'm recalling correctly on that. They, you could tell that there was a severe, maybe, a, maybe an Alzheimer's, maybe a dementia-type situation. There was that look. There was the action. There was, as they talked to them, there was that way that people talk when they're trying to make sure they're understood and all that. And then two of them, when they left, they stood up and helped them up, made sure they were no, going which way they were going. Uh, one uh, uh, took his spouse back uh, to where the, where the restrooms were and said, okay, you go, that's, that's your door right there. And then he stood by and he was, he was standing near where I was. And he says, he says, I, I don't bother me standing here. I said, not at all. I said, thank you very much for honoring your wife. And then he told me how many years they've been married. It was 60 some years. And I said, thank you for honoring her. Thank you for doing that. You know what I do? What are they doing? That's devotion. You know, and I wonder how they started 67 years ago. And I wonder what that life had been like when the vibrancy of youth was upon them. And boy, I hope that they enjoyed every day they had together. Devotion. What Christ is talking about, His isn't a monetary statement, His is a statement of devotion. He said, this poor widow could teach everybody in this temple something. She loves God so much it affects what she does. She loves God so much that he's of great worth to her. In fact, he said she cast in all her living, not what she could earn at a particular time, but all that she had to depend upon. It's not an issue of you gave a higher percentage and you gave a lower percentage. And I've heard this broken down to that shallow level. It has to do with devotion. An act of worship. I'll tell you what the Lord's looking for. He's looking for some people with whatever they may have, whatever you may be involved in, that you give yourself, your life, and what you have as a devotion to your God. And you can do it in everything you're doing in your day-by-day living. Just honor Him in it. That's what the Lord sent me to tell you this morning. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for your words. Thank you for the power of them. Help us to be people who love you wholeheartedly. God, just so many things you bring across our path. Help us to see your good hand in them. I pray you'll bless your people this morning. May they have a true love for you that stems from wanting to know their Creator and serving. Lord, I pray that this will be a morning. Someone will realize how good you are and just put their trust in you. I wonder how many people in a month's time, Lord, I speak to in this room, maybe that are unconverted, maybe over the podcast and the YouTube that are unconverted. Some of them religious folks, Lord. Show them their need, and Lord, I pray that they'll respond to you. Bless this invitation time, please. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you come this morning? Lord begins to play. You come and bring what you need to before the Lord. Need to know the Lord, you have someone near you that can take a Bible and help you with that. It's your faith and trust in Him.
I may say without putting you on the spot, Brother Jim, when you came the other morning to accept the Lord, what you said to me was so important. I'm just tired of trying to do it on my own. Boy, if you just get that. The Creator of the universe wants to have a love relationship with you based on His righteousness. He came to this earth in the form of a man so that you could have a relationship with Him. He gave Himself on your behalf because of your transgression and was broken, beaten, and rejected for you. They couldn't keep Him in the grave where they put Him. And the stone rolled so malignantly against that was thrust aside by His glory. He rose with power and He gives you power to live and walk in His ways. Children of God, live according to your heritage and who you are. Enjoy everything that your Creator has made around you to its fullest, walking with Him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. May the Lord keep the work He wants to do with His Word inside you, working within you this, this week and today. I hope you'll be back this evening. We're going to just have kind of a, it's going to be kind of a fun, sweet time tonight. And I don't mean that in any way silly. It's just a refreshing time in the Lord. And I want you to be here for that. And uh, thank you so much. We've got a crowd out here this morning. It was really pretty full in here with the life builders in too. Not bad now. I appreciate you being out. God's being good to us. And uh, thank you for being a part of His work. It's a mighty, mighty important thing. I appreciate it. Brother Andrew, will you close us out in prayer, please, my friend?